Welcome to the Our Infinite God podcast. This podcast exists to encourage the local church to right thinking and right actions by meditating on God. We believe that right understanding of our infinite God will give us a clearer picture of everything else. My name is Alex Cook. My name is Philip Long. Welcome to the podcast. What's up, Alex? Nothing much. Yeah, man. It's good to be doing this again. I'm excited, especially excited for this episode. What you got in mind? Uh, well, first off, um, why aren't we in your office? Uh, it's kind of far away. Yeah? So that wasn't available. Yeah. Where are we at, anyway? We are in the Houston airport for the next eight hours. I think it's just seven and a half now. I'm sorry. I don't mean to exaggerate. So. Yeah. Who are we with? We're with uh, our good friends who just went with us on a mission trip to Mexico. Yeah. And since we had a fair amount of time, uh, and since we saw lots of great things happening this week, we wanted to get them together and say, hey, let's let's sit around the table. Let's talk about good things God's been doing. Yeah. So that's what we're going to do. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, I look forward to taking this time, this opportunity to just kind of discuss what happened in Mexico on this yeah. mission trip. Yeah, before we do that, give us a little bit of backstory, Alex. What... Who is this trip through? What's the background? Why why were we in Mexico this week? Okay, so it was a short-term mission trip, and we went through the Master's Mission, yeah, which is uh, interdenominational ministry, and uh, they do stuff in Ukraine, Cuba, Guatemala, Mexico. And what this trip specifically was about was joy boxes. Now, joy boxes are just shoe boxes, or boxes that size filled up with toys, um, toothpaste, toothbrush, socks, um, stuff they need, and, and toys, stuff they can play with. And it's designed to, to give to children in poor areas. But what's cool about uh, this trip, and specifically these joy boxes, is that they're used to strengthen local churches that are very young and also get into areas where there are no churches. Yeah. And we'll talk about that here in a little bit, just being able to get into an area where there is no church. Yeah, yeah. That's been pretty awesome to see this week. And it was, I've been a part of Joybox Ministry for a number of years, but the first time I've been a part of this end of it, giving them out. Yeah. And it was really powerful to see the way this helps with uh, ministry that's already ongoing long term. So we've talked a little bit about that before, but just the, the, the point of this kind of trip is to give support and encouragement to a long-term mission effort. And that's really what the joy boxes, that's what they do. Yeah. They do. So uh, before we move on, tell me a little bit about who, who makes these joy boxes. Yeah. So the joy boxes are made by different churches back home, South Carolina, North Carolina. And the reason we do that, then say, okay, give money. And then we'll just go uh, buy toys is because this is a way for the local church back home to get their fingerprints on the Great Commission. And so not everybody can go, yep. but um, we should all be a part of the yep. Great Commission. Yep. And this is a way that we can um, feel like and actually be a part of the Great Commission back home for those who can't go. Yeah, it's a great ministry model. I know it doesn't work in every country. Like we've got a group that goes to Ukraine that does joy bags. And they have to buy everything yep. over there because it's just so complicated to get boxes. Well, they used to send them. Right, right. And just got... War with Russia. Much. They yep. can't get them in anymore. Yep. So this is a, a neat opportunity because of the proximity of Mexico that we can physically ship boxes that 
somebody listening to this, they could make a box with their kids, ship it, and then it helps empower ministry uh, yeah. in Mexico. So, yep. Yeah. So we did this in partnership with a family named the Watsons. Yes. And uh, they've been in, in Mexico for a long time. 20 years. Yeah, 20 years. Um, so, yeah, that was really awesome to see their ministry. Yeah, and so this short-term mission trip was twofold. One is we were giving out joy boxes, uh, these gifts for the kids. And then also we were um, support, encouraging a local missionary family, the Watsons there. And so I'm going to ask my good friend, Hakuna. And so um, Hakuna, uh, so you were with us this past week on this short-term mission trip. Yeah. And my question for you is, how have you seen, because they're doing ministry with their kids there in Mexico, how have you seen um, the benefit of having your kid, if, if someone was thinking about going on the mission field and bringing their kids, how... Have you seen that in this past week be a benefit to the ministry and the Great Commission? It's a large question. Um, I think, so Heather and Brandon, they've got three kids. Their oldest is Christina. She's 18. Then there's Josh, who's 15, and AJ, who's nine years old. Um, Start with Christina. She's got a uh, ministry that she's doing with the kids. She does a almost like a VBS out in the villages, which helps open the door for Brandon to get in there and reach uh, some of the adults and the men and and the women inside those villages. Yeah, she's the one we just interviewed uh, and then we'll release before this episode. And so that was really awesome that we had a chance to hear from her. Yeah, so she is, uh, she's she's great. She's really, um, really mature for her age and really running after, um, running after God as hard as she can. Um, but to kind of see how she has kind of opened some doors for Brandon and Heather uh, through through the villages, being able to get in there and, and um, really just get to a place where they can share the gospel with more people. Uh, Josh is kind of doing the same thing. They both translate, Josh and Christina, the older two. Um, and Josh has got a condition called spina bifida, and, uh, which means that his legs don't quite work properly, but he can get around on some crutches and a wheelchair. And um, for these villagers to see this this white missionary come in with a, a disabled child, um, I think makes it less of a less intimidating yep. as they're going into villages. Yeah, definitely. And um, so that opens some doors as well. And um, that you kind of have to know a big picture of what their ministry looks like. They they have several pastors they're training that they call them the brothers down there and they're all really connected with the family that they'll sleep in in the missionary's home a good bit and uh josh the son and christina and aj they've all become very close with these these men these young men that are learning to be pastors um yeah if i can interrupt too. yeah yeah, yeah one, go thing, for it. one thing they mentioned in conversation last night um with joshua or josh is uh, the way the culture is down there, you can't just come into these villages and uh, start your event. Yep. So one thing that we encountered is we would come into a village and wait around for 30 minutes to yep. an hour. Yeah. And one thing that that helps, um, this is what Heather said, is that when they show up with Josh, who uh, has spina bifida and he's on crutches, they, they, they'll think, you know, what are they doing here? Yeah. With this kid. Yep. 
and it so they gain a level of trust there with yeah. the the villagers or the people in the villages that they wouldn't have had otherwise. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. He opens up a lot of doors, For and sure. it was really cool to see that. Um, you know, I mean, I'm sure you all saw it on Wednesday when the, the kid came in a wheelchair. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when uh, John <coughs> went over there to talk to him, I mean, it was just powerful. And yeah. I think, you know, of course, you don't wish a disability on anybody, but when you see God redeeming that and using that to further His kingdom in a way that they couldn't have otherwise, mm-hmm. it's really powerful. Really yeah. Powerful. I thought it was funny, too. I, I saw Brandon a few times kind of prod Josh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, you need to go talk to that kid in the wheelchair. Yeah. And, yep. Uh, you know, Josh, I'm sure, thought like the rest of us, like, man, I don't want to go over there <laughs> talk to this kid. But he did, and, and um, we talked, yep. told him about the gospel. Yep. And I'm sure you, you also saw AJ, uh, how much all he was doing. Yeah. It's great to see him out there, too. Yeah, it's funny. Christina has these VBS events, and, and a lot of times with kids, it's all about setting the tone and being wild and being crazy up on stage. And AJ, the youngest one, is a ball of energy. But yeah, to see him do it, uh, get up there and jump around and do it in English and in Spanish was uh, was neat. To see him get involved, even how young he is. And yeah. So you can see the entire family, all the kids uh, as well, are they're just chasing after Jesus. And um, what an example for us to see while we were there. Yeah, so. yeah absolutely. Yeah, it was kind of a part of this. I, mean, I knew they had kids, and Alex had talked about them before, but that was definitely a part of the ministry. I hadn't thought about how important that would be to their ministry to have the kids there. And, uh, and I think it's encouragement to all of us with whatever our ministry, whether you're actually in ministry for your job, like I am, or just doing ministry, that our kids or grandkids, man, this has a big role in what we do and how we, we minister. And so that's really powerful. Um, Aaron, I wanted to turn to you next, uh, just because we've had a few conversations along the way. Uh, so many of you listening to this may know Aaron from being our worship leader at Infinity. Uh, and so I think it's appropriate. We want to ask you how you saw our infinite God this week while we were in Mexico. I think the first thing I noticed was that while we think of God being infinite and working in our sphere where we are, yeah, we don't. We don't think about him uh, working in other places. Yeah, you know, doing things. So, you know, when we talk about infinite God. Well, he's infinite in geography as well. Right. So he's at work. Um, you know, just as strongly in other many other places in the world, yeah. especially here in Mexico. Yeah. Um, man, where do you start? So there was a uh, connections that were made uh, that are beyond our understanding of how God just like orchestrated all this stuff. Um, as far as going out to the villages, I mean, we were, I didn't think we were coming to do frontier type missions, but you know, some of those villages were the gospel had never been to those villages. And so how God works to, you know, pierce the darkness yeah. with his light um, is just amazing. I think the most impactful thing to me was the last night in a, uh, in our hotel room mm. having a conversation and just realizing all the connections all the things that God brought into place to put people together and you know from the pastors that he has and hearing their stories and uh, the way that Alex made a connection through a through a different missionary to even get connected to Brandon by what we call an accident yeah, yeah. you know it's just this 
divine orchestration of things that go on, and you can't you can't thwart God's will. Yeah. It will be done, yep. and um, it's amazing what happens when you just make yourself available to God. We we can try and plan out all these things with good intent. They never go according to plan, but they always go according to God's plan. And just to be in the middle of that, make room available for God to work. Yeah. Um, it gives us great comfort to know that He's in control. You know, we limit Him by what we think is possible. And when we just let go and let Him direct the steps, it just blows our minds. And um, the results of it are infinite. Mm. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Yeah, that's 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 really good, Aaron. And that 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 goes well with the next question to Brad. Um, how have you seen prayer, the power of prayer, uh, play out this week? I've seen prayers answered several times this week. Yeah. I know people back at home. Each one of us individually pray yeah. that we have a safe travels. God has answered that. We even survive Alex driving in Mexico. <laughs> Amen. All the topes. Only by the power of God is that possible. It's not that bad. No, we survived all the topes. Nobody has been injured. Uh, we're all safe. All right, topes are speed bumps, Mexican speed bumps. <laughs> I just need to clarify this. Right. Uh, they don't set up checkpoints for checking speeding. So instead of doing that, if there's an issue... They just build a speed bump. And so if a chicken dies crossing the road in Mexico, they build a speed bump. Which must so have happened a lot of times. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They were more like speed jumps to Alex. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So God did answer that prayer. What other prayers did he answer, Brad? Yes. Um, back uh, the week before we left, we got the itinerary. And on Wednesday, the village of San Isidro uh, was... A huge question mark. Yeah. Uh, it, to us, we didn't know. We found out it was a big deal for even a group to be able to get in there. Yeah. It turned out to be an unreached, unchurched area. The villagers had been uh, taken for some money by another North American, pretty much robbed them, and they had hard feelings against North Americans. Uh, so it was a great deal, uh, a big deal for us to be able just to get in. And I know when we got the itinerary, it immediately went on to the prayer team. Individuals prayed. And I just feel like that day. Yeah. Received so much more prayer than the rest of the days. Yes, the whole week was prayed for. But that day was bathed in prayer. Yeah, it was. And God blessed that day. Yeah. It was the easiest day we've had. The whole program went better. Yep. The children and some of the adults showed a hunger for God's Word. Yep. And it played out uh, to be just a huge blessing. Yep. So, yes, there's power in prayer, and God answers that prayer. Yeah. yeah, we were just piecing together yesterday, and I think there'll be only a fraction. We'll, we'll only ever know a fraction of what was done that day. But, yeah, the missionaries told us, there had never been, and they confirmed this with a lot of the locals, there had never been a Protestant Christian event in that town ever, ever. 
ever. Yeah. And so uh, because of that hostility, because of past things or whatever, they've been just very harsh toward toward any outsiders coming in. And uh, thanks to God's work through the local pastors of like gradually building relationships. And then I, I really think God's been using prayers for that community for a long time. And now that those missionaries are have, a, have an in with the community. Because yep. we showed up, we didn't ask for any money. Yep. We just loved on them, and uh, and God's going to use that. I'm convinced in big ways. And yeah, Brad, I thought that was so powerful um, when you made that connection for our group. Like, well, yeah, this day has been prayed for like crazy by people all over, and it's powerful to see the way God God used that. So Quincy, wanted to jump over to you. Uh, and we mentioned some of those local pastors and things that were going on. Tell us an impactful story, something that had an impact on you while we were in Mexico. Uh, well, there was a lot. This being my first international mission, first real kind of short-term mission trip. So it was, what was that, Thursday night? We were coming yeah. back from La Mesa, um, where we gave out three or 400 boxes. 500. 500 boxes? Yeah. Yep. Wow. We were riding in the back of... A box truck with one of the brothers, Valentin, um, and after some conversation he and uh, Philip were having, Philip shared his testimony with with Valentin, and then Valentin opened up about his. Um, and so this is kind of my recollection of it through an interpreter. Yeah. <laughs> um, but Valentin was, was just an amazing, amazing man. Um, he grew up, you know, in... His dad has a his, marijuana field. So his dad was a farmer. Yeah. So he grew up in that kind of world. Um, they were Catholic. You know, he saw a lot of violence at home somewhere in adolescence, teenage years, turned to drugs and alcohol. Yeah. I want to interrupt cope. real quick because I, I've realized talking to a lot of people, especially in the States... When I say Catholic, they have this image of Christianity, right. and that's not what we see in Mexico. Yeah, we had a chance with Christina to kind of unpack that a little bit. Um, yeah, and so they there's there's a lot going on there. I mean, anyone who's listening to this can just go Google um, Mary Guadalupe. Guadalupana. Guadalupana. Yeah, that's how it's And that's essentially an Aztec deity that the Catholic Church absorbed and said, yeah, this the Mother Mary of Jesus is the same thing as this this um, this god of this ancient religion, and so it's a mix, and they believe a lot of works-based, where you have to work to achieve salvation, and the Bible says it's in Christ alone, and so um, just wanted to throw that in there because... Uh, yeah, no, I think that's worth explaining. Yeah, because yeah. although they grew up nominally Catholic, Catholic in name only, it was not... A saving faith, it no. was not... Right. He had turned to, to drugs and alcohol to, to cope with everything that was going on around him and reached a point where he wanted to kill himself. Um, so one night he was uh, drunk or yeah. on drugs. Both, he both, said. Yeah. Uh, fell on the floor uh, and just cried out to the Lord, you know, if you're there, save me, Yeah. basically. Um, and when he woke up the next day, he, he felt like a new man had new desires um yeah that was so powerful because he, he was saying for the last for the four years leading up to that point different pastors had come by and shared the gospel with him sorry if you're about just about to say that but i actually he, skipped that point so. okay yeah <laughs> he um 
so he knew the gospel. He just it just had not penetrated his own heart, and I, he didn't really say what it was about that night. But in the middle of that, he just God hit him with like, no, this is real. Yeah. yeah. It was a day later. He remembered that one of those pastors had given him a Bible, and he he looked around, found it, and started reading, and. Uh, it was like he was understanding it for the first time. Yeah, it was the first. His first time he understood that God loved him, and he right. was just so moved by that um, because before he did he didn't think that was possible. And mm-hmm. so then the, the, what he said I thought was so powerful at that point. He said, um, "If if nobody else loves me, if everybody else hates me for becoming a Christian, yeah, I it's okay. Yeah, I I know God loves me, and that's enough." And so at some point in those four years uh, of discipleship, he had met Brandon yeah. kind of through David. They, they knew yeah, through of, another local they knew pastor, of David. Brandon. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, at one point, he moved away from his hometown yeah. near La Mesa. Yeah. And he went through a lot of persecution from his, his own family and his friends for his conversion and for moving away, which is a big deal there most people don't move away from their hometowns um and now he lives in uh el lobo yeah which is translates as the wolf mm-hmm. it's in Carretero, which is uh, according to brandon one of the least reached areas in mexico um and we were talking about it later and valentine is Struggling right now because not a lot of people are showing up to his his um, sermons. Um, me and Hakuna and Alex had the opportunity to, Brad. and Brad had the opportunity to go to <clears throat> one of those services in El Lobo, and it was three people, two people showed up, um, but Valentine got up preached the gospel. Um, uh, we prayed for uh, one of the women that showed up. After that, we, we went on our way. I think that speaks to uh, Valentine a little bit. Is you know, a lot of times we we think if, if we've got some sort of church event going on back home and and two people show, yeah, it's he, a failure to he, us. Yeah, Valentine preached like there was a hundred people there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, you know, so yeah. he, he didn't let that stop him and didn't let that yeah. discourage him. So, yeah. um, so yeah. it, was, it was really cool to see him yeah. still go through with a, a message and get up there and, and preach truth. And yeah. So going back to Valentin's testimony, um, since his conversion, he told us that four of his eight siblings and, yeah. his, and his mother have also been saved. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, and that he's still able to talk to his other siblings and even his father. Um, yeah. So I know that there's a lot of prayer on those people. Um, yeah, one of one of his siblings um, just came to faith like a month ago. Really, yeah. And so he was saying how powerful that is. So uh, yeah. it was really amazing to see see him open up about all of that and just how God is using him and his life and his family um, in that area that is just so unreached to see how how he is blessing others and how he is being blessed. Uh, and I think we got to see a pretty big part of that yeah, we did. <laughs> on Friday where uh, Brandon and his family have been raising money 
yeah. uh, for a while to buy Valentina truck. Because he drives because a he motorcycle. Drives, drives him and his family on a motorcycle around yeah, Corretto yeah. and, and, and farther. Um, so now he's got a new truck. It yeah. is uh, going to be a huge, huge help to, to him and his family and, and the, the mission. So, yeah. Yeah, they, they ride that motorcycle rain, yeah, rain sunshine, and whatever yeah. weather. Yeah. So that truck will be even. The last day he showed up while it was raining. Yeah. In the, on the motorcycle. Dripping wet. Yeah. It was dripping wet. And we all knew he was getting a truck, and he didn't. Yeah. And it so was, it was just, it was perfect. I even asked him, I was like, hey, feel, how you feeling, man? Like, you look pretty wet there. <laughs> and uh, he, he was fine. I mean, he wasn't complaining. But yeah. his wife and kids, wife and his son couldn't come that day because it was pouring rain. It was, um, it was funny almost to see, kind of see him squirm <laughs> because... He didn't know he was getting a truck. Everybody else did. Uh, and Brandon had told him to, that he needed to talk to him. In all of that, he showed up. He was super nervous because he thought he was going get, to get talked to by Brandon about something. <laughs> yeah, he thought he was in trouble. He thought he was in trouble. Um, and he was calm, but you could tell he was nervous. And I saw him just sit down, open his Bible, and start reading. And, you know, for me, that was just kind of a little, a little nugget of, like, Man, like even even when he's just like a little nervous, just turn to God. Hmm. Yeah. I think anyway, this that's... probably goes through like for the whole group. You can't come back away from meeting guys like that and how um, how serious they are about answering the call of Christ in their lives. Like, yep. there's nothing else. And I come back challenged by their level of commitment. Amen. Um, yeah, they're, they're just super powerful testimony. I mean, one of the guys is talking about, you know, we often talk about, well, how many minutes a day do you spend in prayer? And those guys Gosh. are talking about, man, how many hours a day yeah. are you spending in prayer? And, uh, wow, it's just a different way of thinking, a right way of thinking yeah. about um, the place that God holds in each day. Yeah. That's a great segue for uh, my last question for Philip. Um, Philip. Jesus gave us the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 19. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. How have you seen this missionary family do that, making disciples of all nations? Yeah, it was really powerful because, um, you know, maybe if you don't know Mexico well, you just think of uh, they speak Spanish there. But what's powerful is that um, you know, Mexico has so many different native indigenous peoples speak all kinds of different languages, two major family groups of languages, the Nahuatl and the Huasteca. But um, what's amazing is that uh, Brandon, the, the Watson family, they are equipping these pastors, and they're going out uh, throughout the Sierra Madre Mountains. And so they're reaching into all kinds of different groups and all kinds of different areas. And the way they're doing that is... Hang on real quick. So people group, um, can you dive into that real quick? Like what's... When it says all nations, is it right. talking about like China? That's right. That would be a part of it. But so the word used in, in the Great Commission is ethne. It's where we get our word for ethnic. So uh, mis- different people who will study missions uh, dis- describe a people group as somebody who speaks the same language and lives in the same area and is of, of the same ethnicity. Okay. So there's a lot more of those than just the 200-ish. So Mexico's not an, a people group. Right. Mexico's a nation. But there's all kinds of different peoples 
within Mexico, just like there are within the United States, that speak different languages, live in different areas. And so, you know, the, the key part of that is you could be your next door neighbor could be right there next to somebody who's a Christian, but if y'all don't speak the same language and there's yeah. no way to communicate the gospel, yeah. then there's a barrier. Yep. And so we often talk about missions as the way, and we talked about this when we, when we talked with Nate, but missions uh, is crossing one of those cultural barriers. Yeah. So whether it's a geographic boundary, like a border, or uh, crossing ethnicities, crossing languages, that's sharing the gospel across one of those things. That's missions. And so... Um, there's all kinds of different people groups in these mountains in, in Mexico. And so the Watsons are making disciples of all nations through multiplication, through discipling pastors who are then going out and raising up other pastors. Oh, yeah. And like we met Bloss on mm-hmm. Tuesday, Pastor Bloss. And I forget what the number was, 35, 40 different pastors that he works with. Yep. You know, and so the Watsons have impacted him. And now he's turned around and he's working with other pastors. Yeah. And uh, that... That model, obviously, it's, I mean, it's biblical. It's what Jesus yep. did with, with his disciples. But it's just so powerful to see it in action, to see it really happening. I mean, yep. the, the Watsons had a, had a big uh, change in their ministry just a few years back. They've been in Mexico for 20 years, but really just in the last five or six years, how God has multiplied their ministry, yep. making disciples who make disciples. And it's not just quantity. No. It's the quality of yeah. these guys. Yeah. So, I'll, like you asked Blosh, you're like, so well, who are you reading? <laughs> yeah. What did he say? Yeah. He's Spurgeon? Still, Spurgeon, Francis Chan, Tim <laughs> Keller, you know, and uh, it was like, I was like, hey, that's that's who I read, you know? Yeah. And uh, it was really cool. Actually, I don't read Spurgeon. He reads more in-depth <laughs> things than I do, and I just love that, and um I thought it was really powerful to see, yeah, just one way they're living out the commission, the Great Commission, uh, out of Jalitla, Mexico. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, and Alex, you made a really neat observation, I think, this week that's worth uh, noticing here. Yeah? We, um, we did. We have done a fair amount of waiting around mm-hmm. <laughs> this yes. week. Yes. Not just on these two uh, eight-plus-hour layovers, yeah. but throughout the week, we've done a fair amount of waiting. And uh, Quincy already alluded to this, where we'd show up to these events pretty early. I think at the beginning, the first time we had to wait around, we were kind of like, what are we doing? Why are we here so early? Yeah. So what what was kind of your takeaway this week about that? Yeah, so I think the hardest part of leading a foreign mission trip with a bunch of people from the States is to convince them that their waiting is beneficial. Amen. (laughs) And so people from the States, I'm guilty of it too. Like, I'm very pragmatic. Um... I need to be doing something. If you're just sitting there waiting, you're not really accomplishing anything. That's what that's the way we think yep. from the states, and it's so it's a culture shock to see how there that's so important, especially on Wednesday when we went to that place where there is no church. Like it's it's we had to establish like we're there, we're respecting their terms and conditions. So us waiting was huge because see we had to wait for permission from the judge in that town which is like the mayor in that village and if we didn't wait for his permission we were saying hey we know what's better we're the white people coming in and we're going to tell y'all the way we think but because we waited we showed respect for their authority in their town and that's why they allowed us to continue with the event and so our waiting a lot of times feels like it is vain, but it's not, and especially in their culture. And so that um, that was kind of eye-opening. 
because I've done a lot of waiting in Mexico. Yep. And um, it was encouraging to see how um, a lot of times I think it's vain, but it's not. Yeah, I think that's very, it's very American of us to like be really efficient and try to use our time as best we can. And you and I were just talking a little bit ago on the plane that like we even because sometimes we have an hourly wage, we kind of mm. we kind of measure our time by how much it's worth. Yeah. And we kind of begin to value ourselves like, hey, I could have made like if I was back home, I'd be making this much amount of money, and I'd just been sitting here on this truck bed or playing yeah. with this kid or whatever. Yeah. And it just goes to show that's very American, and and also it, it, that God's timing is just not our timing. Yep. Like God accomplishes yep. things in His own time and ways. Yep. And in ways that we don't. And it's a healthy reminder, like we're all equal under the cross. Yeah. Like our value is equal. It's the same. No one. There's no hierarchy to God. We're all gu- guilty sinners in need of the cross, and we're equal underneath it. Yeah. I did. I, I do want to add something. Uh, I think Hakuna brought a good point. Yeah. So I guess the the thought is a lot of times for me is that these unreached people groups, you know, of the gospel is going to be, you know, in uh, a tribe in Africa or in the Middle East somewhere or or just in China out in the out in the country. Um, but I think something that's crazy to see is how close these people are to us geographically. Yeah. Yeah. So I always, you know, 10 years ago, I, going to Mexico for a mission trip was never on my radar. Not unreached people groups. That kind of blew my mind because we think, oh, that's, that country's right beside the states. They don't yeah. need the, the gospel. They already have it. Yeah. But um, you know, what you looked up on what? Joshua Project? Right. And there's, I mean, you can see the dots of unreached people groups in Mexico. And it was cool. So that's where we were going on this trip. And so I think that really is just the takeaway um, is that that there is unreached people groups that close to home. And Mexico is it's got a lot of them. Yeah. Yeah, I looked up, I specifically was interested because within the Azteca language, uh, David speaks, I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right, but Tanek. Is a dialect within that group, and according to Joshua Project, there's 0.7 percent of that, of that group of people wow. who are evangelical Christians. Um, 0.7 percent. Yeah, 0.7 percent. Wow. It's so not even a, a whole percentile that are evangelical Christians. And David is one of the guys that speaks that language, so he may be it. No, I'm just kidding. I'm sure, there's more, but very few. And he's he's reaching into that people group with that language wow. uh, in a way that's. You know, making a huge, huge impact. So that was really powerful to see. Um, okay, so we're wrapping up. Um, thanks, y'all, for joining us. Yeah, it's our first roundtable. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, once again, we're in the Houston airport, and so all those background noises. That is thank you to the Houston airport. And we couldn't find any actual roundtables. <laughs> we're just sitting around each other. Yeah. As we finish, uh, I'm just going to throw this out there for anyone to answer. Um, what is... The worst or best thing kind of take away from this trip? It can be funny. It can be serious. Anyone to answer? L's are pronounced with a Y. In, <laughs> there's uh, two of them. Mexico. Lamar. Yeah. So I think there's something great in how God binds people in a work together and yep. gives them. Man, we had a blast. Really you know, and, and we didn't go to have fun or to have a vacation time. You know, we went to get in the trenches with some folks there, you know, boots on the ground and 
work, but we just had a great time together. You yeah. know, from you know, I didn't know um, Quincy and Hakuna before this trip, and just you know, we leave with this brotherhood and this joy that we shared something together is um, something that you get to take with you. Yeah. You know, and uh, that's a joy. That's a great takeaway for me. Yeah. I think um, the biggest takeaway for me, I was thinking about this uh, a little bit last night, um, of just how a lot of time with missions, people make a lot of excuses. And I'm, I've been one of those people many times. But for this one, I said yes when Hakuna invited me. I didn't know how I was going to pay for it, um, but the Lord provided, and that was amazing. And then a lot of people think that, that you're going to go on this mission trip and you're going to be preaching to all these people and proclaiming the gospel and doing all these big things, which some of that does happen, but even the small stuff, like just going to support the missionaries that are there and lend, lend them a hand and... Um, just talk to them. I mean, I heard Brandon say at one point this week, like, man, it's so nice to just have some Americans around here just to talk to and have have some uh, some Alan Jackson played and um, some Willie Nelson played. And, man, he got, a, he got such a kick down out of that. Way down on the chat. <laughs> Is that a Christian song? <laughs> um, but, yeah. It, if if you're if you're listening to this and you're on the fence about going to a mission trip because you think oh you don't have a lot to contribute, go, just go. And don't think you know everything. Yeah. Go yeah. with the uh, the ability to to be to be taught. I heard it. I heard it said this way when I was talking to a pastor, um, one of my my pastors at uh, the church at Cherrydale. Uh, before I left, he said, "Just be fat. You have to be flexible. You have to be available." And you have to be thankful. That's good. That is good. So I pray that this podcast has been helpful for you, the listener. And until next time, let's dwell on our infinite God. Amen.